All right, this is episode two of Papa's Corner. I am Julian. Um, I am today. I'm going to be able to talk to uh, a good friend of mine. Definitely one of my favorite people on this planet. He has done multiple tours overseas. He is a Marine. He is a police officer. So please welcome my friend Jr. Kiros. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, so what did you want to talk about? Anything. <clears throat> the, um, you know what I wanted to know? One thing I wanted to start with was... So meeting you in the gym, I began to understand and see the type of person you were as far as your drive went. And it was like fascinating to me to learn your story as far as like your tours, um, you joining the gym, getting stronger. So like to start, how did that come about? Like where did you find the strength? Because I feel like talking to you, you've always had like these little setbacks or you started at a position where you were not the, the front runner, but you've always had that mental fortitude to push through whatever you were doing through. Where did that come from? Uh, I think a lot of it came from, um, probably from the Marines and what they instilled in us and taught taught us, uh, you know, that the mentality that I, um, you know, you set out to to be the best. You know, they, they tell us, you know, we're the, we're the number one fighting force in the country, you know. They talk to us about our lineage and our history of uh, what the Marine Corps emblem is about and what we've done over the mm -hmm for hundreds of years and uh, they just instill that in you like you, you know you, you leave boot camp thinking that you know you can accomplish any damn thing that's put in front of you there isn't an obstacle that's too hard there isn't a, a, a mission that you can't complete um, uh, you know anything that's set forth in front of us that we're going to find a way to uh, to overcome it and um, and I think that's what's uh, been my driving force is uh, uh, having that mentality like I don't care what it is it's like I'll find a way to when did you join <clears throat> I joined in 01 before um, in 2001 how old were you before, uh, I was I think about 20 okay and I joined before the they hit the towers in New York so uh, uh, you know I get the the reason I joined. The reason I joined was because um, you know, uh, you know, I wasn't the best kid, best student in high school. You know, C average. You know, I goofed around a lot. I was really immature. And so then, uh, uh, I knew that I needed to do something with my life. I didn't want to be a bum, and and I knew that if I kept hanging around with the people I was going to hang around with, that I was you know. Uh, be working fast through the rest of my life mm -hmm. and that wasn't going to happen <clears throat> because my parents i see my parents and we struggled uh, living paycheck to paycheck you know taking out loans li living off the loans and then going in debt on the loans and so it, it wasn't a it wasn't a it wasn't a lifestyle that 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 i wanted to have for me and my family so um i went to college in at sac but I only did a half a semester because uh, 
I didn't have the discipline to stay in school for another three, four years and, uh, and finish it. I knew I didn't. And it's just, there was nothing in there that really, like school didn't really uh, uh, give me something to, to chase. Like it didn't, it didn't fire me up. It didn't motivate me. It didn't. Um, you just weren't excited. Yeah. It just. W what were you planning on studying? Uh, criminal justice. Okay, so you've always. So been. I kind of yeah, I kind of had the feeling of you know. I can't say for sure, but I, I think I kind of had the feeling I wanted to be a police officer. Um, but so I just picked criminal justice because it just seemed a little bit more exciting, mm -hmm. you know, just the the. Uh, the adrenaline of you know of what I could possibly get into if I was a police officer. So, mm -hmm. and at then I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about that, you know. Um, so um, I did one semester at SAC, and then I realized like you know I, I can't I can't do this. So I started thinking, okay, what can I do next? What's the next best thing? So I was like, okay, what about the military? So I kept thinking more and more about the military, and then you know I would see commercials, and I saw commercials of uh, the Marine commercial. And it was just, you know, it was just, it grabbed my attention. You know, it was, it was kind of the way it works out, you know. Um, you know, I think there's a higher calling, you know, there's, I, I believe in God most certainly. And I think it was just a sign, okay. You know, you think about military, and then I kept seeing yeah. Marine Corps commercials. <clears throat> so I'm at SAC, um, and I'm taking a break in the, uh, in the, in the cafeteria, <clears throat> and I'm sitting at a table, and this Marine recruiter, gets right next to me, puts his foot on the, on his chair and he's tying his shoes. And I look at him and it's like, there could have been like a glow behind Destiny. him. Destiny. It could have been like a glow behind him. Like uh -huh. that guy's like, okay, here he is, stupid. Uh -huh. Now's the time to go. And so I talked to him and then not even two weeks later, I'm on a bus. Wow. And I'm going to uh, 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 San Diego boot camp. Oh shit. Mm -hmm. Damn, that's so, crazy. And you were 20. And I was 20. What did you... <laughs> your mom think about you joining or like your yeah. family like did you talk to them or did you just decide this is what I want to do no I, I, I told them like it wasn't you know they understood like um, uh, they've never been you know they've been real uh, uh, how can you say uh, they really they were just going to support me no matter what I did mm -hmm. I was my mom's I'm, I'm her first so I'm her baby so she let me get away with whatever, mm -hmm. and you know, but of course she she was um, she was sad that I was leaving, but then she was also very proud. So, oh, for sure. So they were definitely supportive of me, and I just told them, "Hey, I'm gonna go." And then uh, my dad was very proud, uh, and so uh, we took off and left. I took off and left. Right on. Yeah. So where did you grow up? South San Antonio. Uh, I grew up like in the uh, uh, Converse and Live Oak area. Okay. So I spent I spent all my childhood, you know, playing little league baseball in Converse. Uh huh. So like every day, every weekend, every holiday. So yeah, doing all that. So what was it like growing up? Like you said, your parents lived paycheck to paycheck. It was uh, you... it it was a struggle. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money, uh -huh. and um, like I know my best friend uh, since kindergarten. He's like six two, big black dude. And uh -huh. He was always taller than me. <laughs> and uh, uh, but we've been best friends since kindergarten. And he, uh, you know, and you know, he was uh, he was raised by a, a single parent, his mom. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, you know she didn't have a lot of money either but you know she was a lot more uh, she was a lot more smart in managing her money and uh, you know and she practically raised me when I was younger yeah uh, uh, not to take anything away from my parents but you know she was very influential in, in my life as well and uh, you know we, we would we would share clothes you know uh-huh. we'd, go, we, we'd go to like wieners I think it was wieners back then <laughs> and uh, it was like a it's like a, a cheap clothing store. So we'd go there and we'd both buy like two. We were able to get two or three outfits each. Uh-huh. And so then we would have to rotate them and switch them out. You know, I'd wear a shirt and I'd wear. And when I had to wear his clothes, it was fucking obvious because uh-huh. they look all big and stupid <laughs> on me. And, you know, it was just. Uh, uh, but it was great, man. It's just uh, it, I, I think it really uh, molded me into, into who I am because his mom, uh, uh, you know, she, she's a very good lady. She took so, care of me. And he was six too? Yeah, yeah. When did you, or how old were y'all when this happened? Well, we... Uh, Around the time. Well, we were, we, we went to kindergarten <clears throat> together, and we just, and he lived right across from the elementary school. Ah, okay. So, I want to say maybe around, probably around fifth, sixth grade is when I really started staying over there, like, ah, yeah. a lot, uh, yeah, that's when you, I started spending a lot of time over there. You right? still keep in touch with him? Absolutely, yeah. Hell yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, been my, he's been my best. He's my brother. You know, I don't even consider him my best friend. my brother. And, uh, you know, our kids are about the same age. Uh-huh. And so, and it, it's, 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 it's crazy how it all works out. Like, you know, and, and the thing is, uh, uh, you know, when I was deployed, uh, we were able to make phone calls home. But I never made a phone call to him because I felt. God damn it! Why the fuck am I doing this? You're good. I felt that if I called him, uh, would it make things way tougher? No, not tougher. In other words, I'm just trying not to uh, uh, break down when I talk about it. <clears throat> I felt that uh, if I if I called him, that um, God would be like, okay, you've contacted everybody in your home, so now would be the time to to be the ultimate sacrifice, and mm. it's time for you to go. So I never called him, and I, I feel bad for not calling him. But when I came back, I, I talked to him about it, and he understood. And that's a good thing with you know a real good friends. They uh, uh, they always seem to understand you. Like, oh yeah, it's like. You don't have to say anything, like yeah. You're just there in the moment, and and they know. So that was cool. That's crazy. And it's still like that. That's crazy. He'll know if something's wrong. I will. We'll go and hang out, and he's got he's got some weird. I don't some weird intuition about being able to uh, understand people, and he he'll just bring it up, and same thing. So it's cool. That's crazy, man. That's cool to hear. I have a best friend who I've been best friends. Actually, we we didn't turn into best friends till I would say the end of high school. But we've been friends from like seventh grade on. Still talk to him multiple times a week, and it's just like it's cool to have that person that even if you go three weeks without talking, a month without talking, like it's nothing's different. And uh, I know he always got my back. Oh yeah, Braxton, shout out. Yeah, the Asian guy. Did you meet him? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Asian guy, good dude. Oh him, yeah, the one you kept throwing cheese on. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Hit like, him in the face. You, you figured he'd learn. I like, know, right? Hey, Don't fall asleep. <laughs> or cover up your face when you go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> Every time with the cheese. <laughs> so, um, with your, um, I'm curious. I want to know. I think it's fascinating. My dad's a Marine. Um, so first and foremost, thank you for your service. Thank you. Um, another thing, I would love to know what it was like to live in other countries, experience the cultures, because I feel like there are too many people here in the States who have never lived or experienced um, the cultures or visited any other countries, and they believe that we're in a bubble. So they're so ignorant at what is really out there, mm -hmm. what's really going on, not realizing personally how what I believe is like how good we have it here. Mm -hmm. um, so where was your first uh, deployment? My, my <clears throat> first deployment was in uh, uh, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia. And uh, while we were there, we had <clears throat> an area of responsibility. It's like the whole European theater area. So uh, my first part in the Marines, my first job was in Fast Company. So it's Fleet Anti-Terrorism Security Team. So. It's just a big fancy name for, you know, if, if there's any embassies or any uh, American uh, institutions that, that need some type of help, um, that we were able to react right away and, and give them, provide them that help or aid, um, uh, even humanitarian aid. We've done that as well. Um, but <clears throat> humanitarian aid is what? Just, you know, like, you know, like, you know, natural disasters. Oh, okay. and, and, you know, they need help with, you know, you know, rescuing bodies or, you know, feeling sandbags or, you know, you know, handing out you know food and water and things like that. So, it's 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 a little bit of everything. Gotcha. So, <clears throat> while we were over there, um, we did a lot of training, and that was a good thing. We were it was a smaller unit, so we were able to do a lot of training. So we did a lot of training, but then we um, they had us go to um, uh, uh, Djibouti, Africa. It's like the east coast of of Africa, and it was. Um, we were one of the first units there on that base. I think it used to be like an old French compound. So uh, U.S. troops were going there, and we were going to uh, uh, build up that, that compound, and <clears throat> they're running operations out of there. Uh, still to this day, I don't know what they were doing. It was just, it was just us and, and the SEALs out there, mm. the Navy SEALs. So <clears throat> um, we secured that compound, and as we were there, the, the SEALs were running their operations out of there. Um, and then uh, some top secret missions. We never knew what they were doing. Uh, what was it like in Africa as far so, as like the yeah. culture? Were you guys in the big city? Yeah, so, <clears throat> so we were secluded to the base. <clears throat> okay. We only went out in town a few times. Um, very, very, very poor. So I remember, you know, the roads are all, all unproved roads. All the vehicles here or, you know, you can tell them vehicles at least got 150, 200,000 miles, maybe 300,000 mm -hmm. miles. They were just old beat up cars, there's, there's nothing new there, like nothing. Um, uh, you know, you, you look at the the electrical poles down the street, so it's just one pole and like one wire. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's not multiple wires, so you can just tell it's just, they're, they're a little bit behind in, in the technology. But then, you know, I remember uh, vividly that we, we, were, we were going into town <coughs> and no kidding, there was a whole like little city made of wooden crates. Wow. And that's, like pallets. Yes, pallets. Yeah. It was just pallets, all stacked up in pallets. And uh and that's how they lived. 
Holy the clothes crap. strung up on, on rope, on strings, and, uh, uh, you know, basically what they wore is what they owned. And the main thing there, their main source of income was uh, was always uh, the goats. So you'd see a big herd of goats with some with the with the locals. This was in Africa. Mm -hmm. And so you know you'll see random goats on, on the sign and say, "Hey, when we get some of these goats, no, no, you can't touch them. They belong to somebody. Whoa. They're somebody's goats." So the goats is the main source of the income from them over there. Uh huh. And um, but you know it's just you know, none, nobody they didn't have you know plumbing. Running water, no refrigerator, no uh, uh, climate-controlled house, no air conditioner, heaters, and all that. It's just everything was right there in the open. And, wow! Uh, and that was the first time I've ever seen. You know, I thought I was poor. Yeah, growing up. And when I saw that, I'm like, I said, "Damn, I don't, I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for my damn CD player." <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't need the. Uh, uh, I think that the time, at the time, the Zunis or thing was coming oh, out, I remember or, that, the, yep. or the MP3. I uh -huh. think we that little disc where you can put all the music on. I uh -huh. was like, I said, like, I'm grateful with a CD player. I'm fine with that. Like, yeah. I don't care about. It. I'm saying, it's just that. I mean, I couldn't imagine living like that. I was like, that's tough. Like anything, everything you own is what you got. You see a lot of kids. Yeah. Happy. And the kid, yeah, and that's the thing. This is crazy. It's, it's uh. uh the the kids seem like that's their normal yeah that, that's their normal and, and you know and and they're happy with it and uh you know I, I didn't see a lot of pvs and you know i didn't see any of that really and they're able to figure out ways to have fun oh yeah and they, it's, it's like they'll have a stick uh -huh. or in a rock or uh they always wanted a football uh -huh. football still very uh soccer i mean soccer ball uh soccer ball i mean it's you know or it's it's crazy the way you know you know how, how children are you know they'll they'll find a way to 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 entertain themselves or each other and have fun <clears throat> make a game um, out of it but you know you see it and it's like you get both feelings you're like man i'm glad they're you know they don't understand like you know the conditions they live in mm -hmm. but then you also feel bad for them because of the conditions they're in yeah and this uh uh it, it's it's uh it's very humbling to watch and knowing that you know even the you know because you know, I'm a police officer so I, I work in you know the pro we call it the courts but it's like the projects and I see that homeless I mean that that poor mm -hmm. and that poor is far more better off than the poor I've seen doesn't compare and yeah it doesn't even compare at all and it's just uh, uh it's it was very very humbling to see and I, I think that you know it's very impactful on, on a person oh yeah makes you appreciate uh, a life and, and things uh, very very much was there anything significant that you learned from that deployment specifically <clears throat> or just the deployments altogether uh, <clears throat> that one I you know I was um, so like out of your deployments was that the poorest you've seen uh, there's about about the same Iraq was pretty poor too okay uh, so so after uh, Africa where did you go after Africa um, we finished up and came back and then um, I deployed again to Rota Spain Spain and uh, that was like a, it was just a big party <laughs> yeah, it, it was a it was it was a great time uh -huh. so while we were in Rota Spain we, like I said we did a bunch of training but we also went to we went to France Germany Italy Greece um, I think that's it. But we went to all those places, 
and we did we did we would do training in uh -huh. all those areas cities and then uh we'd do a few days of training then we'd get a few days off out in town and we'd uh -huh. go out in town and tear it up out in town and my buddy sent me a message and i remember we, we were in uh uh because my memory's bad sometimes so he said <laughs> i remember we were in uh, i think germany and we were coming home from a club and it was like three four in the morning and he was like, remember that time me and me almost got in a fucking fight over a cheeseburger? <laughs> you and him? Yeah. I was like, I was like, fuck man, you're right, man. We, we almost went to blows over a fucking cheeseburger. <laughs> it's like we 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 ordered cheeseburgers through the drive thru or something like that and like they all didn't come in. Like we were short like a burger and uh -huh. like we were fighting over who's gonna get the last burger. People had to fucking hold us back and like <laughs> I was like, this is fucking stupid, like fucking Marines fighting over it. Cheeseburgers, uh, uh -huh. but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, but yeah, Road to Spain was just it was, it was just a big party, and, and, and it was good. It was a, a lot of training and a, 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 a lot of different experiences, different countries. And you know, over there, you know, so over there, I didn't see much poverty. It was just, it was just, it was just different forms of living. You know, yeah. uh, over there in Rota in Spain, you know, people eat families. There's big family. Like there was only one fast food restaurant. It was crazy. It was a KFC. Okay. Everything else is like your mom and pop little restaurants that are built like on the corner or the bottom of, of buildings of apartments. Uh -huh. And you know. <clears throat> it, so they live up top. Yeah. And uh -huh. so then, um, um, you know, you got families, big families with kids eating like they eat like at 10 o'clock at night. They eat yeah, late. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, um, it just looked real. Uh, I know we were in a bigger city, but it just looked like. Uh, when you'd go out in town, it just felt like it was real small and hometown-like. Yeah. Like, it'd be like small, like hometown country living, but you, it's it's encapsulated inside of a city. It's weird. Yeah. And so, it, you can tell, you know, in, in there, like, you know, it's, it's crazy how, you know, they respect the elders a lot over there, you know, and, you know, you, you, you see the pictures, you know, of like two old Italian dudes sitting sitting on, on a front porch or on a chair. I'm like, that's what it was like over there. Like, yeah. there's just random people sitting sitting outside of their of their houses seems more relaxed than here yeah yeah definitely just, yeah what was their perception of like you marines there did they like you uh, it was a hit or miss okay you know some liked this some didn't and i can understand that because you know you know some marines they fuck shit up yeah you know and so it was a little hit and miss it was both but uh uh you know i had a good time it was it was easy. It was it was easy fishing over there. And how, how old were you? Uh, I was about uh, what? I think twenty two, maybe. Perfect age time. to be an idiot. Oh yeah, exactly. It, it was great. It was great. Um, and that that part of Road of Spain uh, is known for its beaches, and you know, and they were uh, a little topless at the beach. Uh -huh. So and it was a uh, it brought in a lot of tourists. A lot of tourists from in in the European area uh, area would come over there too. So. You know, there was a whole mixture of people uh, uh -huh. that were there. It wasn't just uh, 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 Spaniards, so it, it was everybody, all types of people. But um, the clubs were awesome. Like the clubs don't get good till like three in the morning. Uh -huh. uh, but that was just—it's um, kind of like being on the state side, but just uh, okay. a little bit different structure. Did you have a beard back then? No. So did they? They let you into the clubs. They didn't yeah, they did. you, mistake you for being a I was, kid. I was barely old enough. I was barely old enough. So, so. Uh, in uh, I was gonna say in Spain, um, did they have like a, a military or no? Yes. 
So did you like on base? Did you mix in with their military as like assistants, or were you guys your own? No, it, it was it was yeah, it was a naval base just with us, just all Americans. Okay, it's a naval base. Yeah, yeah. What about did you meet up with the with the Spain's military? No, nah, we didn't do any any any. Okay. Uh, we didn't do any training or workups with them, and you know. Um, yeah, we just stuck to our, ourselves. So what about after Spain? So then after Spain, then um, so while this so while these two deployments <coughs> are going on, obviously the. Uh, the war kicked off. This so, was Spain was before or after the Twin Towers got hit. So the, the the Twin Towers got hit when I was in boot camp. Oh, okay. And like I said, so you know, I joined the Marines because you know I, I wasn't doing nothing with my life, and I just felt that I need I needed to do something that was uh, uh, that's going to get my attention, that's gonna that's gonna push me. Yeah. And so um, I joined. And I joined, you know, the uniform was badass too. I'm like, hey, uh -huh. well, I get to shoot a gun and jump out of a plane. <clears throat> but you didn't so, understand the bigger picture. Yeah, exactly. So we're in boot camp and then uh, um, we just started rifle range week. So you got a whole week where they teach you how to shoot a rifle. Mm -hmm. And we had just started rifle range week. And I remember this was the only time we were allowed to uh, watch TV because you you're cut off from the world when you go into boot camp for those three months. And that was in, in California, right, San mm -hmm. Diego? So they take us into this room. They call it a, the war room. So it's usually where they do debriefs and, uh, uh, and talks. So they take us in there, and they show us a real quick video of the two planes going into the towers. Holy shit. And then they cut off the video, and then uh, I remember... So you had um, no idea that it had no, happened? No, no idea. Wow. Yeah, no idea. We had no idea. Because like I said, we, we were cut off from the world completely. Yeah. So the only people that would have known would be like, you know, our drill instructors. Yeah. So as far as us, we didn't know some. Um, <clears throat> they take us in, they show us the videos, turn it off, and then they give us uh, some motivational speech how, you know, we're going to get the motherfuckers who did this to us, and we're going to let them know that they made a huge mistake. Huh. And that, you know, if you weren't taking your training serious now, this is, you better well take it serious now because... You're the one that's going to get paid back for whoever did that. Yeah. It's real now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. It's like, well, you know, you've got a bunch of boys in there, you know, probably with the same mentality I did. Like, hey, I'm just doing this to to do it. I didn't, you know, I didn't see the whole big picture. Holy like, shit. Like, one day, the potential of me having the actual, because, you know, there was no war for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nothing. Maybe the last thing was, was it? Maybe early '90s or '80s. Was it '80s when the Cold War? Uh, no, was it with the uh, when they barely went into Saudi Arabia? I, I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I think it was something like that. When uh, so, I mean, it was and it wasn't much of nothing. <clears throat> Desert Storm, where it was just okay. they, they were just in and out. Did it? So, did it raise the level of like camaraderie when you guys saw that? Like you guys felt like, look, boys, like we're in this together. Yeah, and now it's real. We're going to be going to war together. Yeah, I think I think it did, uh, and especially it showed when we had um, so when we do our uh, we do the crucible, which is I think it's about two and a half days, three days. I can't remember where they put you through. You know, your your squad goes through a series of obstacles, and it's it's just you only get I think uh, one MRE uh -huh. to ration out for the entire uh, I think two and a half three days. One, so, yeah. Yeah, so you have to ration out your food, 
uh, drink plenty of water, and then you know, like I said, you get a series of obstacles you got to do. You know, you got to run through these different scenarios and obstacles, and mm-hmm. go on these big hike. We call them humps. So we get our packs on. Fucking packs are heavy as fuck. You know, I about your a, size. Yeah, I, I weighed. <laughs> I maybe I weighed one fifty in the Marine Corps, and the goddamn pack weighed probably about seventy pounds, uh-huh. sixty pounds, and. Uh, so we're carrying these packs around and then not to mention we get you know, kind of carry our rifles and then you know we got to simulate like you know like we're, we're, we got dropped off and we're going into a war zone so we got to carry ammo cans that weigh what 30 to 40 30 to 40 pounds depending Holy on what ammo it is uh and you know so it's you go through you go through that <clears throat> and i think that's when the, everybody was like okay this is what it's going to feel like you know, this is what we're going to put our body through, and you know, we're all going to make it. Mm-hmm. And though, so you know, Marine Corps, all that mentality, you never leave any man behind. So, you know, uh, you know, it's crazy. All of us, we're all different walks of life. You know, mm-hmm. all do. You know, remember having, we had a, 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 you know, people from Cali, people from New York, country boy, city boy. You know, smart, dumb, uh, and it's just like it's crazy how it just. You know, it all works out when you when you uh, when we all get that mentality like, hey, I'm 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 gonna take care of you. You take care of me. I'll take care yeah. of you. Type of thing. Yeah. So it's crazy how it just all works out, and um, you get uh, you get the missions done. So so I think that's when uh, it really hit for everybody. Like, uh, okay, yeah. Okay, now 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 it's uh, now we're doing this, and we're gonna go to our train, continue on training, and do so this for real. I've heard of something at. Pendleton called like the Death Hill or something like that. No, any idea? There's a, a uh, uh, like a big hill that just breaks people, and you're supposed to like hike up this. Giant. Yeah, I think was it. I'm trying to remember that. One. I want to say it's <clears throat> Mountain Motherfucker. Okay. So it's like you're literally almost like you, you got to. There's parts where you got to be on your on your hands and legs, and you're and you're scaling up the scaling, fucking uh-huh. mountain, and it it's tough. I'm telling you, it's like yeah. Uh, I struggled with humps um, because, uh, you know, I was a machine gunner. Okay. So we would always have to carry our machine guns. How heavy were those? So you got you got the 240 golf, which was your medium machine gun. Maybe it's about 25, 30 pounds. But it's got a tripod with it. Um, then um, you have your, uh, um, uh, your extra barrels, your tripod and your extra barrels in the machine gun itself. And then the ammo. And then you had the 50 cal, the fucking 50 cal humongous. You know, that fucking weapon. It's, it had to have been about maybe 45 extra pounds just, just for the receiver. Extra? Yeah. That's just for the receiver. The barrel alone, I think the barrel was 20 pounds. Uh-huh. So you got two barrels. You got the receiver. The tripod. The tripod alone, too. The tripod's another 35, 40 pounds. It's a big-ass tripod. Holy. So you got to carry all that equipment. So you have your fire team and, you know... Or, or the or the the or the squad fire team would be four guys squad would be 12 but you'd have those guys and then you 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 know you're taking turns carrying that weapon system mm. and the accessories to it are you carrying your your pack as yeah, well yeah pack as well yeah and your Holy own rifle sh- you still have your rifle you still have your pack wait so the machine gunners have a rifle on top of mm-hmm. the machine gun mm-hmm. that they carry so you yeah you have you would have your machine gun i mean your rifle slung then you have your full combat load with, uh. with your helmet and your pack and then when you got your pack, okay, okay, you got the receiver. They put the receiver right on top of the pack. Ah. Uh, and then so the, there would be one machine gunner per team of four. Yeah. So it uh uh there was usually a machine gun in every 
in every squad. Okay. So a squad of 12 guys. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a machine gun. And then the weight of, and all the pieces are divvied up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, amongst the 12 dudes, they'll try to rotate them. And then like, so. Uh, Did you get to choose your job or they assigned you to be a machine gunner? Uh, I think I got it out of, when I signed up. Ah, uh, okay. When I initially signed up. Uh-huh. They're like, because oh, you know, they got, I think, so many slots they got to fill. Uh-huh. And I told them, I told them I want to do infantry. Okay. And they're like, oh, we got a machine gunner slot. I'm like, fuck yeah, that sounds badass. Can we do that? So they put me at that. Had you ever shot before? No. Uh. No, none of that at all. <clears throat> so like I said, so like, so like after I did the rotor, I went to, so like I said, the war kicked off. Okay, yeah. When I was in boot camp. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I went to, we went to, I went to, uh, 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 Saudi Arabia first and there I had no choice it was crazy so I did all my training with the the Marines I went into boot camp with we stuck together there was about 15 of us that went to fast company I did all the training with them so we did so school of infantry training which is a, a basic school for infantrymen that we all mm-hmm. have to go through we learn all the weapon systems uh, where is learn, that learn at? all the that that's in California still too okay yeah um, we learn all weapon systems all the basics of a, uh, you know, of a, of a fire team, of a squad, a platoon, you know, how, how to conduct yourself in, you know, in combat operations. So we learned all that. And then, um, and then we got to go to the school for fast company, for security forces, the job I was going to do. So that was in Chesapeake, Virginia. So the 15 of us, I think it was about 15. So then we all go to Chesapeake, Virginia, and we get our training. And then when we get done with that training, and then there's two fast companies. There's one in Virginia Beach, and then there's one in uh, 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 Yorktown Neville Weapons Weapon Station. So you go to either one of those two. Okay. And so it's first com- first fast company, second fast company. So uh, we all go to second fast company in, in Yorktown Naval Weapon Station. So while we get there, we're all going to get put into uh, uh, a new platoon that is starting up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the boot platoon and putting all us new guys in there. When I get there, and then they pick me and this other dude. They're like, you two, get out. I'm like, the fuck? What the fuck did I do, man? The fuck I just got in here. Mm-hmm. Like, don't even unpack. I'm like, what? And so they go and put us uh, with, the, with the most senior platoon. They're about to deploy, and they're the ones going to Saudi Arabia. Oh shit! It's like they're short two guys. You two are going with them. Was there? Do you think there was reasoning behind it, or they just? When when I think about it, uh, the guy I went with, like we were part because you gotta think most guys that go in the Marine Corps they're like eighteen. They're like they're still very young. Uh And I went in at twenty, and actually I think I just turned. Yeah, because I went in July, December I turned twenty one. So when I was in, when I was in Fast Company, I mean when I was in when I was doing my third phase of training in Virginia, that's when I turned twenty-one. So I was a little bit I was older oh, okay. than most of the guys. So maybe in their eyes, I thought they thought I was a little bit more mature, but uh-huh. I'm not that. <laughs> maybe it, it, it's maybe more squared away. They call it squared away. Uh-huh. I have my shit in order. Yeah, you know, because I didn't want, you know. I knew you had to build a reputation for yourself when you get to somewhere. Because I knew boot camp was just boot camp. You just got to get through it. What matters is when you get to your unit, that's when you start 
that's when you get the opportunity to uh, develop your reputation and who you are. And like set yourself apart. Yes. And so um, I try to keep all my stuff squared away. You got to remember the people that are 18 years old that just left mom and dad's house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're not real disciplined. They're not, they're not real structured. Um, um, so um, I think I was a little bit ahead on that. So I think that's why they took me in this other deal. I'm trying to remember the other guy they took. But yeah, they threw us into this platoon. And okay. I'm like, oh, shit. And so when I think back, but I think it was. But it sucks because, you know, I've just been through, you know, like five months of training, six months of training with these guys, these 15 dudes. And then just gone. And then, yeah. So we're still in the same base, you know, in, in the same area, but we weren't in the same platoon anymore. Yeah. And I was leaving already. So they just said, hey, uh. you go with that platoon, you're leaving in two weeks. Don't even unpack yet. And I'm like, what the fuck? And so me and this dude with the boots in that platoon were new. Man, we got fucked with so much. Like, and it's, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's part of the game. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, any shit duty they had, hey, we got to go pick up trash in, in, in the courtyard. Kiros, whatever. Get your ass out there. The fuck, man? Uh-huh. So, like, any, hey, hey we, need, uh, we need this stuff watched. Someone needs to come watch the gear. Kiros, get over here. I'm like, like every goddamn shit duty there was to uh-huh. do, no matter what it was. Hey, we need somebody to go inventory this gear, get all the serial numbers, and kills, get over here. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And so, like, and the gear was important because you can't fuck up the inventory of the gear because uh-huh. then, then it's your fault. Uh-huh. Like, something's missing, it's your fault. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm fucking new to this place. I don't even know what the fuck's going on. You got me doing this shit. So. Uh-huh. It was just, it was nonstop until, you know, you, it, but that's just the way it is. You you, you, you have to show your worth and, and, and show that you belong there and, and, yeah. and, that, uh, and, and that you can be important to, to, the, to the platoon. And so uh, once you start to show that, you know, and that you don't complain, you know, you put in the fucking work, you, you, don't, you don't fake injuries, uh, uh, you don't throw people under the bus, you just put your head down and do what the fuck you're told and that's it. Yeah. And, um. And then eventually they, they backed off of me. And then, of course, there's other, we call them shit bags. There would be other shit bags in the platoon. And, you know, then their focus and effort go towards them. Mm, and, yeah. then, and then they leave me alone. And the good thing, I had a, my, that, that, that platoon, I had, a, I had an awesome uh, fire team leader, Corporal Howard, uh, a country white boy. And he just, man, he took me under his wing. And, man, he's very smart, very down to earth, good guy. I uh, love that guy. He's a great guy, and uh, uh, man, he took care of me. You know, he and once he realized that you know, you know that I was a good marine, I wasn't a shithead. You know, he protected me a lot too from people yeah. tr- people trying to fuck with me in, in other in other fire teams or other platoons or other squads. You know, he took <clears> care <throat> of me, so it was good. But uh, so while that's going on, um, uh, the war kicked off. Okay, so I'm in, I'm in Spain. I'm I'm in I'm in Saudi Arabia, I mean, I'm in Saudi Arabia and Spain and I'm seeing I'm seeing this all on the TV, you know. I see my Marines, you know. That's me. I should be in there fucking fighting. Once you're deployed, you get to see what's going on, keep up with the news, all that stuff. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Okay. Where, where we were at, you know, we still had, you know, we we still had uh, uh, TV and all that cable and, uh, and you know, and the technology in there and that. So, you know, what, you know, we'd be in the chow hall eating and you see it on the TV, you know. You know, another Marine dies, another Marine dies, another, mm. you know, and, and we're like, man, fuck, man. This is what we signed up for. This is our job. And we're fucking over here in Spain. Not living, being able to it, help. Living it up, you know. Hey, fucking send us. Yeah. 
And so, um, but I had to finish my contract in Fast Company. I couldn't just leave. What is Fast Company? It's the Fleet Anti-Terrorism Security Team. So oh, like, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So I, uh, I had to finish that. So it's like, it's like uh, you know, I, I signed up to be a machine gunner, but I'm committed to Fast Company. I also signed up to be committed to Fast Company. I think it's for two years. You said feet anti fleet fleet anti yeah, yeah. fleet anti security security uh, uh, fleet anti security team I think team oh, okay yeah. fast company yeah and then so how how long did you have till so, that was up so I had to do that for two years so <coughs> okay. so I guess so I'm in I'm in Spain and I'm in Bahrain and I'm watching the TVs and I'm seeing all these Marines get in the fight I'm like that needs to be me that's fucking me that's what I signed up for I'm a machine gunner. Uh-huh. And you know, it just it it wore me. I was fucking. I, I felt like shit. Like why and I what why and I over there with the with the boys getting in there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I come back from my deployment and um, my second deployment at Fast Company because usually at Fast Company you only make one deployment. Okay. So I came back and uh, because I deployed right away, so I made two deployments. So then we go to Spain. So I come back from Spain and. They gave me the option to finish my time mm-hmm. in Fast Company, in my service, my four years. I says, you can stay here and finish your time and be um, um, the NCO, the non-commissioned officer in charge of uh, uh, the vehicles, vehicles being issued out and shit. I'm like, I said, that ain't fucking happening. Mm-hmm. I says, I signed up to be a fucking grunt. I says, I'm not going to sit here and fucking sign out vehicles. Yeah. <clears throat> I said, I says... I need to go fight. I says you need. I, I said I want to go to the next unit, deploying to Iraq, and I need to go fight. And uh, they said, okay, well, the the only option is that you have to extend your contract because it's going to exceed. Because we do four year contracts in the Marine Corps. And they said your uh, that deployment's going to go past your uh, uh, your EAS date is when you get out of the Marines. <clears throat> so it's gonna go past your years day, so you uh, you need to extend your contract. I was like, do it. So I think I extended for like seven months. Uh, I get deployed as soon as I, and then I get deployed to First uh, Battalion, Fifth Marines, weapons company. So it's dealing with machine guns, and that unit had already made two deployments. So you got to think, I'm a corporal, so I'm in charge of a fire team. I'm in charge of four Marines. I'm going to this unit where there's Lance Corpus and PFCs, people who are under me, uh, that have already been to fucking war. And now you're in charge. And I'm coming in, and I came from, you know, they the, they call it the fleet unit, is where I was going, fleet unit, oh, shit. You're good. Um, and so, they see us, if, that's the only thing that, in the Marine Corps, grunts, the fleet unit, that's the only thing that fucking matters. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, <laughs> it's just, everybody else is like, you know, you know, this is where the, this is this is this is what built the reputation of the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. the Fighting Marines. We yeah. are the Fighting Marines. Yeah. And, uh, so I go in there for being an outsider, and they're like, so I have no respect from them at all, and it's understandable. Yeah. You know, I haven't been to war yet. These these guys have, and so you know you're trying to lead Marines that have already been in the shit, and they know you haven't been in the shit, mm-hmm. so they don't know what what you're about. So again, it starts all the process starts all over again. Back when I was a boot, trying to make a name for myself, prove who I am, same fucking thing over again. And there it's a little tricky because, you know, 
I'm their leader, I'm supposed to be their leader, so I gotta get them to do the things that we need them to do. So that was difficult, that was hard to do. Yeah. And the time, I, you know, I can tell the guys, they listen to me and respect me to a point, but it's like, in the back of their mind, I can still tell like, you know, I'm just doing this so I don't hear shit from other people, but mm -hmm. you know, I still don't, I still don't know you. I still don't like you, so. How did you become their leader going into it? Like, is that because you had more service time overall? Yeah. Oh, okay. And because of my rank. Ah, okay. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> and like, um, the, I don't, I'm not trying to sound like we were, we were better than him. I just think that, Marines that come from Fast Company, it's a smaller unit, so we were able to do a lot of training. You know, uh, I, I gotcha. went, while I was there, I did a bunch of training. I even went to Advanced Machine Gunners Leaders Course. Mm. So, and a lot of these guys in this fleet unit, in a platoon, maybe there's one or two dudes that go to that course. I already went through it. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, they teach you a lot about leadership um, and a lot about, you know, how to implement the machine guns into a firefight how to write, write up your own uh, 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 attack order and everything like that. So <clears throat> I've been to that school, you know, but it's getting in school. Yeah. They look at it like it's a school, but you know, I've been to the, a bunch of classes. So I think I was pretty well trained a little bit more, uh, more by the training than most of the people that were under me. Yeah. But I didn't have the real combat experience. So um, uh, that, um, that played a role too. So, so like I said, when I, when I was there, like I didn't get, I didn't get their full respect till we got into our firefight. This was in Iraq. Yeah. So you know when it, so Iraq. So then it leads me to Iraq. So we get deployed to Iraq, in that place we were in Ramadi, Iraq. Uh huh. And I think you had mentioned this, or you had mentioned because of uh, Jocko. Yeah. Right. And you yeah. believe that he yeah, was there think, when you were there. Yeah, I think we were there about the same time because we were there and uh, I got out in 05. So we were there beginning of 05 to end of 05. Okay. And uh, uh, and it was, it was, you know, when I look back and I hear a bunch of stories from other uh, servicemen talking about, you know, the different cities in Iraq. And, uh, uh, you know, I thought all cities were a fucking firefight every day, mm. you know. I think like, this, this is what it is. This is what we're involved in. But I didn't know there were some cities that were that, that were worse than others. Because when you know I was in, we were still at the brink of that that technology. Okay. So you know now you got they got the Skype, they got all that stuff you can do. But when I was in, you know our whole our whole platoon, all we had was uh, uh, our company. We had one satellite phone. It's a big ass phone with an antenna on it, and we had one phone for the whole company. So there's I think there was five platoons in that company. How many people in each? Uh, so there's four squads, and each squad has twelve guys. Forty-eight. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so at least forty-eight people. And one phone. Yeah. To call back home. Forty. There. Yeah, it should be what forty-eight. And there was, I think, there was five, five platoons. So forty-eight times five, whatever. Two forty. Yeah. So you got two hundred forty dudes, and you got one phone. <laughs> so you'd have to go to the. Wait, wait, wait. Is what one. five times forty-eight? Yeah. What? Yeah. So there was five there. times fifty would be two fifty. Minus 10, yeah, 240. Yeah. So you got that many dudes for one phone. Uh huh. So we. we 240 dudes in yeah, one phone. Yeah. <laughs> That's about right for the Marines. Uh huh. So, 
um, you had to go in and <clears throat> sign out the phone, and you had to use it right there, like right outside. We call it the hooch, or the hut, hooch, hut or hooch, hut. I think we call it the hut. Yeah, where where we stayed at our living quarters. So you had to sign it out and be right there, and you could only be on it for like five minutes, and then you had to turn it back in. Hmm. <clears throat> so, um, uh, what was I getting at? What was I talking about? Talking about going to Iraq, your first firefight with your team, becoming a leader. Um, then we got to the technology. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, as far as the technology, that's all we had was a phone. So we didn't have all the other means of, of, of communicating with family members or people. So. Um, Fuck, I'm gonna draw a blank. What was that? What was that leading up to, though? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, so th that was uh, being being there was like that was very poor too. So you okay. talk how you asked me about. You oh, know, we were talking about Ramadi, yeah. Jocko, and yeah. So the, yeah, so I didn't realize. Uh, 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 so yeah, we did Yeah, that's right. We didn't. We didn't. We were still. Fully wasn't aware of like how dangerous the other cities were in Iraq. Uh, yeah, okay. In Iraq. Uh -huh. So cause also, that's all we had was that phone. We didn't have any other like, you know. Communication. Some, Sometimes when we go eat, there'll be a TV on and we could see, you know, what, whatever was playing on the uh, on, on that military network. But, uh, um, but yeah, when I come to find out, Ramadi was, was a pretty rough time at the time we were there. Uh -huh. You know, we had, uh, we would take small arm fires all the time. Uh, uh, getting firefights quite a bit, you know. Um, heavy sniper threat that we had. Really, you know, guys had to be hunkered down. You couldn't be out at all because they'll hit you right away. And uh, it was just um, for seven months straight, not a damn day off. Every day, it's wow. It's like it's very hard to just um, to just unwind and diffuse and. Let, uh, and, and relax because you know it feels like the moment you relax is the moment when they're going to get in mm -hmm. when they're going to be vulnerable mm -hmm. so it was it, it was tough but over there that living too you know it's very poor over there too um, they don't have no real um, like uh, uh, they didn't have a sewer system so we call it shit creek so no kidding it was like a creek but it was nothing but all their feces and Jesus yeah. Christ and going running through the town yeah there was it was a it ran through a part of the town holy shit and uh just you know they don't have like you know uh, uh garbage service so there's just fucking shit creek has all the trash and the shit running through there uh you know trash all out in the streets you know the kids what they wore with, with you know they didn't have tennis shoes they all had like sandals and shit like that and a lot of times what they wore is what what they owned yeah um no, uh, they had electricity, but no, like uh, uh, no air conditioner or some of like that. Some did, but they were, you can tell they were the the, the wealthy ones there, the mm. rich ones there. So, and the wealthy there is not comparable no. to yeah, exactly. even the standard here. Yeah, like um, the wealthy there would probably be like what poor is over here. Wow, and it's crazy how that is. And um, yeah. their supermarket, it's not like H E B. Uh huh. What it is is just a bunch of. Let's say there's just an old shitty street, and the streets lined with a bunch of little, uh, little complexes. Where, stands. Yeah, little stands where people are just selling. You know, they got raw chicken, like chicken hanging on the fucking uh -huh. skin, chicken hanging on, hanging from a string. You know, things like that. Uh, 
cigarettes, all the, you know, you know they, they will have uh, fruits and vegetables and stuff like that, but it's just, you just walk down the street and that's your HEB, that's your supermarket, yeah. you know, instead of, you know, running through with a basket and, you know, you hear music. And, you know, <laughs> have like, free samples, yeah, yeah, you yeah, want some sample, wine. Yeah, none, none of that shit. Um, that first firefight where you earned the respect of that platoon, correct? I'd like to think I did. Like, Is that something that you can talk about? Yeah, or you're uh, okay with well, talking we about? Well, we were, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I know we were in, um, so we had, uh, we have to watch a bridge. Uh, the Euphrates River ran through there. Okay. And we had to control all the people coming in and out from across that bridge. And so it used to be an old compound for for Saddam, for one of his uh, uh, generals or something like that. So we took that compound over and uh, we fortified it in a uh, um, bunch of sandbags, chain link, chain link fence and stuff like that. Which to this day, I, like it was crazy. Like I was like, why the fuck are we putting fences up? Because we had the open area. Uh-huh. Uh, we had sandbags and then we had an open area. And so we filled the open area with chain link fence. Uh-huh. We tied it up so the fence, so it wasn't completely open where, and later on it, it was fucking beneficial because that post got uh, attacked by uh, the uh, my terrorists and they were trying to throw grenades into the compound where it kept hitting the fence. Oh, didn't blow the fence up? Nope. Because the shrapnel would just go through it. Yeah, we yeah it would have gone through it. Well, you would have to time it perfectly. Oh no! But I'm saying when it blew up before, it wouldn't destroy the fence because the no. shrapnel just. <clears throat> no, because well, because we were up on the second floor. Ah, okay. Yeah, on the bottom, everything was just fortified with concrete and sandbags. Ah, gotcha. But on the second floor, we had to look out. And oh, keep I see, I see, and that's so, why the fence was there. Yeah, so so, ah. so second floor, we put like, let's say this was on the second floor, we put sandbags halfway up uh-huh. and then chaining fence the rest of the way, oh. so we can still look out, but then have the fence there. But it helped because they were down there. Trying to throw, they had a grenade, grenade uh-huh. uh, what do you call it? Uh, grenadier. Yeah, he, so uh-huh. he was just a grenade man. He just had all grenades attached to him. And he fucking comes out and he's fucking trying to throw grenades into the second floor. And it's just hitting the fence. And going straight back down mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Blows up down there. So yeah. Holy crap. So yeah, this, to this day I was like, why the fuck we put chain fence up? It's stupid. Uh-huh. But. <laughs> That's why you're not but, in but charge that, of that, the. That's why. That's why I'm not an officer. Uh-huh. I was just a, a, a dumb uh, NCO and a, a dumb enlisted guy. So I just did what I was told. So but, for, for first firefight. What? So yeah, first firefights over there. No. Uh, so we're on that compound. The bridge. Yeah, in uh, in the building, and we start to get attacked. We get attacked from across the river, and it was it was a pretty good coordinated attack. We get across from the river, I think from the north, and then we get attacked from the east. It was an old water treatment plant. Uh, we get attacked from over there. And so it was crazy, like, when it happened, like, uh, so in the Marines, we do all this training, like, all this practical application drills. I'm up, he sees me, I'm down, you know, shoot, move, and communicate, endless amounts of uh, drills, dry fire drills, shooting. And you're like, it's like, it gets old. You're like, fuck, why am I? So, but it's crazy. When we got in the fight, and I'm like, and he was the first time I got in the fight. I remember an RPG was coming in. All I heard was, and I'm and I'm. It was kind of a, it was an open area. I was on the second floor, and it you know it had the big window. We had the sandbags, and it hit like right under me. And I'm like, and I like for a minute I was like, what the fuck was that? Like I froze. Uh huh. And then uh, then I hear. 
from oh, all shooting all over. I'm like, God. oh shit, we're getting under attack, and and uh, so like for that initial moment, I you know I froze. I didn't. I I I was like, shit is going down. Like, I, like what the fuck's happening? Yeah. And uh, and then you know it felt like I was probably paused for like five minutes, but well, uh, maybe it was only a few seconds. But yeah. I froze. I froze, and then um, and then quickly it just it just it just is a switch. You have no you choice. Know, you start you start talking to your dudes. Hey, I got him from over here. I got him forward. Where's so and so? Where's who and so? Set up over here. When you get a, get get over, watch over here. Get this guy over here. Where's so? You know, we, we you know we're just trying to call out what we see, um, and you know, making sure we got accountability for everybody. Making sure we're calling reinforcement. We, you know, we're calling. We have a, a a quick reactionary force QRF. We're calling for those guys to come over uh, because we don't know how how uh, how elaborate this is going to be. So. From there, you know, you know, you just you're trying to identify targets from far away. Uh, you know, during the daylight, it's, it's it's hard to see that. So, um, from where we were at, there was a lot of uh, palm trees. It was uh -huh. crazy. It was a bunch of so we had a bunch of palm trees on the east, which made sense why they would attack from there. So they had a bunch of palm trees on the east, so a lot of it could uh, uh, obscure their their vision mm -hmm. uh, uh, on on us on, on them, and give them a lot of cover. And then they had the big river in front of them, and they were shooting from the town across the river. So, of course, you know, we're trying to identify targets and shoot when it goes on for a few minutes. And then uh, once we stop taking fire, uh, we get everybody together. <clears throat> and then we start, we go to the water sheet, and we say, okay, we're not going to go across the river because, you know, we're not supposed to be over there, period. And uh, uh, there's too much of a liability over there. You know, when we start, when you start to work in other areas of operation, you know, there's a big logistical uh, 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 issue going on where, like, you know, command staff is saying, no, we don't have any jurisdiction over there. We're not messing around over there. So we go to the water treatment plant, which is right to our east. So we load everybody up. <clears throat> we get on foot. And then uh, we start clearing out that water treatment facility and, and going from there. And um, I think that's what that 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 helped. I think that's when people realize, okay, this guy's, he, you know, we can trust him. He's good to go because, yeah. you know, I had no choice. Like, uh -huh. you know, this is what I signed up for. This is what this is where I should have been. Yeah, this is what I should have been doing. And so it's just, uh, uh, it was like I wasn't there trying to prove my point to them. Like, hey, I'm a good guy. Look, trust me, believe me. And I said, mm -hmm. I was here to do my job and most of all take care of the of the Marines that, that were under me. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, and that's that's when that's when every after that, not to say it wasn't rough, it was rough and terrible. Up to that, it was just you know made things a lot easier. And you finally you know, had, in a sense, earned the respect yeah, yeah. that you deserved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was uh, it was great. Um, what was I gonna say? How many firefights did you say you went through? And like. Did it ever get to the point where, like, that first firefight you froze, did it ever get to the point where it was, I don't know if the, it's never normal, but it was just like, okay, this is another firefight, I've been through it, I know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, probably at least, if, if I was to average it out, maybe like three times a week. Firefights? Yeah. For seven months? Yeah. Holy shit. And um, I think it, get, it gets to a point where... You're like, you're motivated. You just want you want to get in it. You want to fight. You want to fight. Like yeah, you're like like you want it. Like like bring it. <clears throat> it's weird. It goes through phases, and then I went through a phase where like, 
you know, like, oh, I'm fucking tired of this shit already. It's, 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 I'm done with it. Like, it's like, uh, like, like you're at peace. Like, if I have to fucking die, I die, whatever. Mm. Like, like, if dying's, it, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Eventually. Once you, you know, uh, you come to that point, like, fucking, I'm going to die. It just, it's, then it's just like, okay, let's just, we're just going through it. Like, let's get the shit done. Yeah. Like, get, get it done. Get this firefighter away. I'm tired of getting shot at. Let's uh, find who these fuckers are. Get it over with and, and go on. You know, when you're talking about like, um, you want to get into the fight, right? Like, you want to fight the bad guys. I think that's interesting because I've heard like stories about guys who've gone to war and get addicted to that adrenaline rush of those firefights and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, it's just, you know, it, it got to the point where. Like what they were doing there, they called V beds, vehicle borne IEDs. Yeah. So they were getting these, uh, I think, 20 millimeter uh, 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 rockets, the fucking big ass fucking projection shells. Uh-huh. They were throwing them in the cars, uh-huh. in big ass dumpster trucks, big cars, and they were just driving them into the, our compounds and blowing them up. And uh, if you're YouTuber, there's there's quite a few of them that were that were fucking massive and um and that's what i think fueled a lot of us is like they're fucking killing us these motherfuckers are being chicken shit they don't want to fight us one-on-one uh-huh and so you know it got to the point you know like fuck it i'm gonna die i don't give a shit they're killing our guys i'm gonna do whatever it takes to kill these motherfuckers and i'm that's gonna crazy. get and i'm gonna get payback <clears throat> and so uh and then it went to a phase like when you get close to the end of your deployment then it's to the phase like, okay, like, why do we need to go do this? Mm. You're being extra cautious now. Because you want you're, you're not being so uh, off the hinges. And um, you're being more methodical about what you do. You know, you're like, okay, is it necessary for us to go this way? Or is it necessary for us to really go into this house? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like that. We're going we're gonna to change your route here. You know, you know and things like that. You start to... Uh, be more cautious about the decisions you make. Interesting, because now you're close. Like you know what? I might fucking make it out of your life. Ah, uh, I might make it out of your life. So let's not do nothing stupid to put myself into that situation. Yeah. So yeah, I went through a phase like that. It's crazy it, it, the way the way it transitions over. <clears throat> I still remember we're we're done and we're flying. We're going from one base to the other and we're in, we're in a helicopter ride. Yeah. And the fucking pilot is messing. Yeah, he's fucking twisting and turning, and like, <laughs> we're like, what the fuck? Like, but they do it for uh, for for tactics uh, to be safe. You know, oh, they just okay, want to travel okay. in a straight line. Yeah, because yeah. If people are watching down below and trying to get you know service to air missiles to kill us, so that's why they were doing it. But like, motherfucker, we just made it. <laughs> Out of this shit hole, we're gonna die in a plane crash. Why don't these assholes go straight? Uh-huh. But but they do it for for for, uh, for safety reasons. So, uh-huh. Yeah, so things like that. But yeah, uh, it was definitely uh, you know definitely the the hardest thing I've ever went through in my life. Those seven months. Yeah, and it's just it's a series of it's just like every emotion that you can think of. I bet from can't from, imagine from you know living on cloud nine to the fucking worst. Yeah. So it's uh, it's tough. You know, you talking about those IEDs. Um, you know that movie, The Hurt Locker. Have you seen mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Is that depicted well as far as like 
those cities and how those bombs are placed yeah. all that, and how yeah. they go about handling the situations. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's pretty accurate because uh, even for us, you know, we'd call those EOD guys out. Uh-huh. Man, those guys fucking got balls of steel. Yeah, because to walk up to the bombs, right? Yeah, there was one. We had one and we found it. So we called those guys out and, you know, somebody's watching that goddamn bomb. Mm, yeah. There's somebody watching it. And so... This dude, he puts on his green suit, and we're parked like two blocks away. Like, he just fucking walks up there like like he's God. Uh-huh. Like, like, you motherfuckers ain't going to do shit. <laughs> he walks up there and gets down on the ground. And you can, tell, it's, you can tell it's like like he's working under time. Like, he thinks like, like it, part of his mentality is like, these motherfuckers are going to blow this any minute. I'm going to go defuse it. Before they get to blow it. And so he's in there. He's got a stick. He's fucking jabbing it in there. On the ground. <laughs> fucking picks that fucking thing up. Like two of them. We come walking back down the street. I'm like, man, this motherfucker better not walk by our car. You better take that shit to your truck. Uh-huh. So it's like, man, those guys are like that, man. They're just, That's man. Crazy. They, 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 they're, I mean, they're confident. They are 100% confident in what they do. Yeah. And the courage they have, dude, it's like. Because they're like you, you like you don't have a fighting chance with that. Yeah, it's not like yeah. you know. I see a bad guy there. You and me. Let's see who's gonna fucking win. Uh-huh. No, there is like it's just you and a fucking metal object that's gonna blow up. So a lot of times, are those suits even gonna protect those guys? No, they'll fucking it, it'll 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 blow them up from the inside. Yeah, the concussion, mm-hmm. the explosion of that round, they'll, they'll turn into a pink mist. Jesus, was there ever, uh, like, while you were in, were there ever those, like, <clears throat> legend figures where, like, you've heard about this guy who's done all these diffuses or, like, you know how, like, Chris yeah, yeah. Kyle was the sniper, yeah. you know, the legend? Yeah, uh, no, I didn't, we didn't hear about that. The thing that was going around there was that uh, there was a sniper from Syria. There's okay. some Syrian snipers, in, and they were the one killing us. And Was that the that, same that, guy in the movie? I, you know what? The American sniper? When I think about it, I, I, I think it is because, uh, like I said, I had that movie recorded. This is crazy. I had that movie recorded uh, on my DVR, and it took me like, it took almost a year and a half for me to watch it before I even pushed play. Just because, what, it was going to bring back emotions? Yeah, yeah wow. just because of the, uh, uh, I knew what it was about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, I wasn't a sniper or anything like that, but, you know. You know, I, I've lived some of those moments. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, you, you know, even, you know, seeing a fucking kid, you know, protect a damn Muj, we call Muj a terrorist because, uh, or, you know, the, the kids, they get forced to, to fight against us even though they don't want to. Yeah. And then you got to figure out, are you going to shoot a fucking kid or not? Wow. But, uh, so it took me like a year and a half to watch that movie. So when I finally watched it, I'm like... I was like, I've never done a lot of research into it, but I was like, you know what? I think it's the same time we were there because I remember when we were in country and they tell us about the Syrian sniper threat and the guy was good because our first week there, we had another platoon out. So we'd get out in the trucks, we'd park them. The, uh, the gunner of the truck, the guy working in the chair mm-hmm. and the driver, they stay in the truck. Everybody else dismounts. We get into the buildings and we get on the rooftops and we provide overwatch. And we would just sit out there and just listen around. And a lot of times we were waiting. We were picking, we were picking a fight. We're like, we're out here. We're waiting. And we wait for them to come after us. Uh-huh. To attack us. <clears throat> so we come out there. And uh, so that platoon goes out there. And they set up an overwatch. Where they said, okay. Because up there, the roofs. The roofs always have like a, uh, 
like a four foot yeah. hip. Mm -hmm. So uh, like a four foot wall on the roof. So we get out there and they says, okay, don't be standing out in the open. Even the gunners in the turret. It says, if you're in the turret, uh, you stay down inside the turret until we make contact and you can get up and shoot. Don't be driving around you with your head up, looking around in the turret, being exposed. Yeah. It's just because they will shoot you. So the turret, the gunners had to stay down. So even says, so we're going to rooftop. It says, don't be standing up in the rooftop, looking around for a long time. You take turns, taking kneeling positions, standing positions. You do it in different areas. Um, um, you get up for a second, get back down. You move. Your other buddy's going to get up from another area. He's going to look, get back down. So that's what they were telling us to do. Well, you know, so uh, I think it was Alpha Company. Uh, I know it, it was Weapons Company, but it was, it was a different platoon. I can't remember the platoon, but so they go and get Overwatch. And then keep in mind, we're only there like a week or two. And they know when changeover is going too; it's crazy. The, the, the other terrorists, yeah. the terrorists. Yeah, they they know they know when a changeover, a change of command is going over. Wow. Uh, uh, so they test you right away. So we're there our first week. So so they get on the rooftop. They show there's two marines on the rooftop. One standing up. They're doing the taking turns, bounding up and down. The one gets up, looks around. With a marine that takes the knee, he was a he was a comm operator communications operator those guys get attached to us because you know if our radios go down or whatever they, they're going to be the ones that help us out get it back up so he, the comm guy goes to take a knee and the other marine standing up looking well this is when the sniper shoots Whoa. but who does he shoot he doesn't shoot the marine standing up he shoots the marine taking the knee that thought he was that thought he was all the way down concealed but oh he, he had God. he had about from his lip up exposed the sniper shoots him. Shoots him right above the eye. Do you think it was to show? Yes. Wow. So it's to set that precedence like, hey, I'm a good-ass sniper. Oh I'm a deadly sniper. God. I says, I won't take the easy shot. I said, I can take the hard shot and still kill you guys. And so then it's like, it's like, fuck, this, this motherfucker is good. Yeah. Like, and so that was, that was what the, the the ghost or the, the legend of somebody uh -huh. going around was like, you know, as good as we, we know we are and we think we are, like, you just got to remember, like, there's always somebody out there that's fucking better the, than you. Yeah. And, and that's wow. when it struck in, like, man, this motherfucker, like, he's going to hit anybody. You don't care where you're at. He'll fucking hit you if you're exposed. And, uh, and so that's what, that's what was going on. Even one of, one of our gunners, he got hit too. As soon as he got up, it was crazy. Like it's like they—I think they were watching us. Of course, they're always watching us. But as soon as we stopped, he got up real quick to take a quick look, and then I don't know what happened. By the grace of God, like I think the bullet—it hit, it hit another piece of metal somewhere next to him or or on the turret, and it fucking hit his vest. But the bullet got large. The bullet hit, and it like went up the vest, and then it got stuck in there. Uh -huh. So it never went through. Holy but crap! Freaked him the fuck out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Reality yeah. check. Mm -hmm. So and it was just that quick. He got up to do a quick scan. Boom! Right there, right away. Wow. Shot comes in, and then he's like, "Man, fuck this shit! I'm not getting up anymore." <laughs> oh yeah. So it was. Uh, it, it's it's wild. <clears throat> but it's 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 what uh, uh you know. That's the reality of it. It was tough. You know, based on that movie, <clears throat> like that Syrian sniper was obviously a good sniper, but. Mm -hmm. It's based on the movie, Chris Kyle got him. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. America, so, baby. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So <laughs> while we were there, like towards the end of the deployment, like 
we we didn't have that issue anymore. Yeah. But like we didn't hear of anybody getting sniped anymore. I'm like, did you hear about Chris Kyle saying he got? No, him? I didn't. We didn't like. like okay, it just like, stopped. Yeah, it just it just it died down. I'm like, wow. Oh, I guess we fucking I don't know what happened, but but then when I watched that movie, I was like, man, I think he fucking killed him. Wow. He killed the guy that was fucking killing us. That's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And that shot was something like a mile. Yeah, over, it was. It was. Yeah, some something about like a mile long. Or yes, something like that. And I mean, I mean, Jesus and then if, Christ! If anybody understands how that works, you know, you, you, you. <clears throat> when you shoot that long, <clears throat> that sorry. bullet doesn't. It starts off and it ends up completely different. Yeah, so he, he could have been aiming somewhere clear on. Not even you're the guy he was trying to hit. Uh huh. It was a water. Good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, you know, there you start to take into the gravity, the grav, the rotation of the fucking Earth, the gravity, everything. Yeah, uh, the drop and fall of the round, the the the, the different temperatures ah. within the distance that bullet is being fired. Yeah. Uh, the, of course, the elevation, the wind, wind. And all yeah. everything. Like, so <clears throat> there's a reason why that guy was the best. That's crazy. <laughs> So I know, I know. Uh, I don't want to go too long, but I do want to ask you. Um, I've been reading like books on leadership and all that. So, being a leader of a platoon, what is something that you feel like you learned or developed uh, through your time as being the leader of that platoon, rather than like from when you started to where you ended? Understanding how to lead a team, understanding you know the dynamic. Um. That. You know, learning how to lead um, different personalities. I think that's what's what's challenging and what's 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 hard hard mm-hmm. to learn and to uh, to get a grasp of because you just you can't you 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 can't lead everybody the exact same way as yes. you know you can't yell at everybody. Yeah, you can't. Screaming at everybody, you can't, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, shit on them all the time. Uh, to think that's gonna to drive them, you know, you have to, um, you have to play to your uh, the people to their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, and then um, you definitely have to encourage them because you know you can't continue to shit on people and then, you know. Uh, then they start to lose confidence in themselves, who they are. Yeah. You know, and then that's just going to trickle on down, you know. Uh, but it's just, um, you know, the the main thing I, I, I learned too is that, you know, it's just like, you know, I, I come off in the gym a little bit of a hard ass uh, and an asshole, but, you know, I, I mean well by people uh, and uh, I really do, uh, I care about them. It's just, Sometimes I see people who don't give their full effort, yeah, and it frustrates the fuck out of me. Oh yeah, because there's people that aren't here no more. Mm-hmm. They would love that opportunity. Absolutely. And so I'm like, you got two fucking legs, you got two arms, and you come in here half ass. It fucking frustrates the shit out of me. And so you know, I try to. Some people I know who can take me being a little bit more assertive to them. Uh-huh. I do. And some people I can't. So then I try to find, hey, why don't you try to do this weight? I think you can do it. You know what? I've seen you do it. Yeah. You can do it. You're strong enough to do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Get it. Oh, okay, okay. And do it. Oh, yeah, I didn't think I could do that. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. So, um, you just being able to be adaptive about what's around you, the people around you. I think that's one thing that's huge is that, and something I appreciate about you, is that I know you give me shit all the time and like, but I know deep down you're looking out for what's best and like how to build me up, mm-hmm. took me under your wing type of thing in the gym. And so mm-hmm. I appreciate it, man. Oh yeah, you're a good dude, dude. You're a good dude. <laughs> appreciate De- it. Definitely have you up there. You're, you're one of my favorite millennials. <sighs> Thank you. Like a, you'd be like a, like a brother to me, dude. Hey, that's where you started the name right there. Yeah. That's the reason I have that name, yeah. millennial. <laughs> I think this is a good stopping point. Yeah. All right. We did uh, an hour and 15 minutes. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, brother. There's a lot more still shit. Oh, absolutely. This isn't going to be the first podcast. Okay. We'll do plenty more. All right. It was good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right.